Today, I'm really excited to have Doug Weiss on the podcast. Doug is the co-founder and CEO of Deets, a new platform that lets users find the right restaurants and events for them. He started his career working at companies like McKinsey and Pepsi in a corporate strategy role. And then he later joined Facebook as a product manager for the lead ads and offline conversion platform. And then after several changes at Facebook, he later became the head of creator commerce at Instagram. In December, 2022, he decided to go full-time on Deets. Outside of these positions, Doug is also a very active investor in early stage startups. He also has an MBA and MS in product design from Stanford, as well as a BA in international relations and a BS in business from UNC. Having someone as knowledgeable as Doug on the podcast was truly a pleasure, and especially getting to see how he's tapping into the creator economy in order to facilitate the growth of his new application. With that said, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Doug, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you on. So, you know, before we get started, uh, you know, before we get started talking about Deets, I'd love to talk to you about what brought you to the world of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship and startups. Yeah. So, you know, I think the reality is, is this is what I've always wanted to do. Um, even when I was much earlier on in my career, this idea of creating something new, building something from scratch and really being able to build both a company and a product that I was really excited about was always something that I was, that I wanted to do. Um, and the, this idea of like being able to wear a lot of different hats, which I think is just a core part of any small company, um, and people in small company Mm -hmm. and their roles, um, you know, was always something that I was excited about. But the reality was, is that I actually worked at a couple of small startups when I, when I was in school. Um, and my biggest learning from that, um, and I know this is very different from a lot of how other people feel about entrepreneurship, is that like on some level, I didn't know enough to feel like I had any business starting something myself. Um, you know, prior to that, I had spent most of my career in strategy consulting. And so, yes, I'd had a lot of different kind of diverse um, professional experiences, but this idea of like, me feeling confident in my ability of a figuring out what is a product that has actually needed to be built and b and more important to me how do i create a company and an organization that could uh, that could cultivate people and their talent um you know to me was really really important um and so instead of going right into entrepreneurship at a much younger age you know i decided that like I wanted to go into an environment where I'd be surrounded by people who had started their own things, who had seen things before that I could really learn from. So that instead of reinventing the wheel, it was much more me being able to learn from them and then be able to make that transition at a later time. Um, and so, you know, the reality was, you know, Facebook obviously is a massive, massive company, but I think there, you know, there's this old cliche of like, oh, you know, different teams feel like a startup within a large company. But I will say that like Facebook does that probably better than any large company I've ever seen, where, you know, even though I was in a large Mm -hmm. company, I got this exposure of what it was to be nimble, to like start things, to be able to have a lot of ownership over the things that um, I was doing. Um, And so I thought Facebook was a really great opportunity for me, again, to get that exposure that I wanted before making the jump. Um, And so then over the last like year or so, you know, as I've kind of, you know, done a number of different built a number of different teams, built a number of different products at, 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 you know, Facebook and Instagram, it really felt like the right time. And I think just with like all of the great innovation that's happening in a lot of different areas, um, there were a lot of things that were coming together that for me felt like finally this was the right time to, to make that jump. 
But the reality is, is that, you know, this is a right. very long winded way of saying it was always a ma- it was always going to happen. It was just a matter of time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I've talked to other entrepreneurs and I feel like from a young age, a lot of them were already entrepreneurially uh, on that path. But, you know, some people have different ways of getting, getting there or some people just go straight into it. Um, so, you know, makes a lot of sense that, uh, you know, you, you, you had your path like that. So, but, you know, diving into that a little bit, you know, before Deets, you were, you were part of some of the biggest tech firms in the world. And, you know, you, you touched on Facebook there. You were also working at McKinsey. Um, so I got really curious, um, and I know it's not completely related to startups, but you know what what made you move from consulting to to Facebook? Yeah, I mean, I think the reality was, you know, even when I was in consulting, um, I actually was making a transition that took you know a couple of steps over time into tech. Um, so even when I was at McKinsey, I actually you know started just as a generalist, but over time, the more I could, the more I actually really specialized in technology and then actually specifically in, in digital marketing. Um, you know, I think the thing that I realized, and this is now a number of years ago, um, even then, uh, there was a very clear, obvious trend that technology was going to be at the core of everything. You know, no matter what industry, technology was this unbelievably strong force that was changing how everyone was doing everything. Um, and so, like, in some level, you know, technology was that, you know, was a critical part of anything in any company. Um, and so for me, you know, I loved consulting because it gave me a really great exposure to a lot of different skill sets that I think have been really useful for me through my career, a lot of different industries, really intelligent people and working on some of the most important um, things that, you know, organizations and companies were, were dealing with. But on the other hand, it was all about like creating the strategy and then just kind of hoping that someone else would actually implement it. Um, right. And so this, uh, you know, this idea of not only being able to develop the strategy, but then implement it and see it through um, was something that to me was really missing um, and that I wanted to, to, to be able to do. Um, and so like, you know, when I was, when I went back to grad school, it was very much with this intent of like, okay, there's a million different things I could have been doing. Technology, it was something that was, was clearly of interest, but like, okay, how does that then actually manifest itself into, into an opportunity that, that then becomes a job and a career? Um, and, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to, to Stanford for really, you know, helping give exposure to all the different industries. And for me, realizing that like consumer tech was something that I was really excited about because it was something that touches billions of people on a, you know, on a daily basis and was changing so fast that I was really excited about like being in an industry that, that there was so much um, ability to evolve along with it. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's the biggest um, drawback I've seen to consulting that I've talk to people in the industry is that, you know, you get, you dive deep into the problem, you figure out the yeah. best game plan about it, and then you just hand it off. And for some people yeah. that's totally okay, that's exactly what they want. But for some people that sort of drives them a little bit crazy because they just want to, they want to build it, you know, they want to go yeah. into it. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say a controversial thing because I know every, especially people in tech, everyone loves to hate on consulting. <laughs> I do think like even to this day, like say I was like, you know, a young 22 year old just graduating from undergrad who didn't know specifically what they, what they wanted to do. You know, the, 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 the crazy, interesting, high level of responsibility and, and just kind of bluntly important things that I got to work on, even though I was, you know, doing the strategy and passing it on, you know, just that exposure to get such at such an early age at such an early part of your career, I think sets you up so well in life. And really that core skill set of like, learning how to write an email and like learning how to make a PowerPoint deck that like, you know, I think 
people love to pretend doesn't matter, I think has been incredibly important throughout my career. Um, and, and so like, you know, yes, it, it is true, you know, myself included, I think it's not necessarily something that, you know, I would find a lot of kind of fulfillment doing a whole career around, but I do think it is like as good at like a training boot camp for a core set of like useful professional skills as you can get. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I, um, it's actually really refreshing to hear a, a non-negative take on consulting, <laughs> uh, especially when you talk to tech people enough, you know, like you mentioned, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, it gets a pretty bad rap. So yeah, for sure. I have some friends heading into consulting and I'm sure they'll appreciate hearing that. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into building, uh, talking about building deets, you know, sure. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you've been completely wrapped around the, you know, the building process and you'd love to talk about it. So to give our viewers some context here and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but deets is essentially a platform that connects diners with restaurants and events like never before. Uh, you're co-founding it with Paul English, who is a successful serial entrepreneur and is most famously known as the co-founder of Kayak. Um, and yeah, I'll throw the links in the bio for Deets, but getting into it, you know, what was the motivation behind creating this? What was that inspiration yeah. point? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the reality is, is like this pain point that I, you know, I feel probably at least twice or thrice weekly where, mm -hmm. you know, I, one, I live in New York. One of the reasons I live in New York is because of all the amazing things that are available here, whether it's, you know, concerts and events, whether it's restaurants, whether it's just like things to do. Um, but if I think about like, how do I make the decision about what is the right choice for me, the platforms that exist and the information that exists really doesn't solve the problem that I have, which is sure, there are a million things out there, but I don't have the time to comb through every piece of information to figure out what is right for me. And so, you know, on the restaurant uh, level, which is where we're starting, on one hand, you have these large anonymized aggregated review platforms, you know, the Yelps, the open tables, the Googles of the world that have reviews. Um, but the reality is, is like, I have no idea where these reviews are coming from. Um, you know, they might be people who have totally different preferences and, and things that they care about than I do. You know, you might have someone who, you know, ra uh, rated, you know, Claude, one of my really favorite restaurants in New York, only one star because it's not super kid friendly. Well, for me, like that literally couldn't matter less as a, as a single, right. single guy in New York. Or you might have people who like, you know, really just, you know, don't have very much of a discerning taste. And so like everything is five stars to them because they, they really couldn't, you know, they just like going out. Um, yeah. And the other thing that's really interesting about these reviews, and there was actually an article in the Times about this um, just this past Wednesday on the 25th, which is not only is it people you don't know, but often those people that are writing the reviews aren't actually even really, you know, in the restaurant case, diners. Um, there's this really funny article of like this guy created a fake restaurant on Google, created and hired hundreds of people to write fake reviews and somehow became the number one restaurant in all of London for a restaurant that didn't even exist. Because there just isn't this ability to actually kind of, you know, you know have that high level quality of content. And so, you know, you have these platforms that are anonymized of like content that you can't really trust. And so you really don't know if there's something you can trust what you're getting out of it. Um, and then on the flip side, you have kind of what I've done historically, which is like basically triangulating 75 different like editorial content, whether it's Eater or Infatuation or like lists from friends, which kind of works, but like, A, you know, I don't have friends that probably touch on all the different things that I'm interested in. And B, it's a lot of work, right? Like I need to like, ask six friends, I then like triangulate their opinions, I then like go to 
um, Instagram to probably check out photos. And then I go to Google to like see where it is on a map. And then I go to Resi to actually make the, the, um, the reservation. And so it was like a very difficult pro- uh, process to get restaurant recommendations that are of a high quality uh, from people that I trust that then are personalized to me. Because all of those platforms that I just spoke to, whether I search or you search or, you know, my 10-year-old niece or my, you know, 82-year-old grandmother does a search, they all come back with the same results. And the reality is that we're all very different. And restaurants are very nuanced and different. Um, and so our we really wanted to bring it um, kind of a lot of the personalization and the customization and the rich content that is now a core part of basically all different kinds of, of consumer surfaces, bring that to restaurants and events in a way that doesn't exist today. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think definitely that, what you, what you mentioned there, you know, I spend a lot of time looking for restaurants. I'm, I'm the go-to person when it comes to finding the place to go to. And, um, and yeah, the thing is like, you know, some people write the reviews because they really like the ambience of a place. But for me and my friends, that's really on the lowest priority scale. We, we really care about the food. Um, and so a lot of the times when I look at Google reviews, it's really just to get a baseline of, right. is this restaurant even acceptable or not? Right. Um, but beyond that, like between the four to five scale, it is so variable because based on, based on their people that it's really a guess, guesswork. Yeah. And, and we did an analysis of both Google and Yelp reviews. Um, and the ratings that that kind of were were connected to them, and we found that like somewhere in the range of like eighty to eighty five percent were between three point eight and four point six, where it's not like that's just not reality, right? Where it's just like <laughs> everyone is not just like kind of good, right? You have these amazing restaurants that like should be getting five stars that somehow because someone had like a bad day, you know, they're getting pulled down, or you have these like you know again low quality restaurants that like maybe paying for reviews or, or, or maybe just, you know, again, uh, the people who go to them don't, don't necessarily know the, the kind of the, the, the wide variety of restaurants that exist in New York. And so, you know, the thing that is true is that like dining out has become something that like, I think all generations, but especially younger generations is like a core part of the social experience. Um, and so if there's a way that we can, in a, in our mind, a very win-win situation, help diners find restaurants that are best for them, but also help restaurants find diners that are going to be best for them. We can really make sure that like everyone, you know, is, is more mapped to the things that are best for them. Right. That makes sense. And I guess that's a perfect transition point into, so what is Deets doing in order to address us then? What is yeah. what is the platform doing? Yeah. So, so what we're doing is basically combining two very important components um, into an all encompassing platform. On one hand, we have basically um, this uh, seed uh, information that comprises of your own dining preferences. So, you know, the the restaurants that you like best um, with really easy um, ability to write just a couple of reviews, um, as well as the ability to then follow people that you trust. So these can be friends or family. So, you know, your best, as you were saying before, and I actually uh, fill this role in my own group of friends of like, we all have those like three to five friends who like know what's going on in a dining scene, travel and like have good taste that we like want their opinion. So the ability to follow people on deeds, as well as the ab- ability to follow what we call tastemakers. Um, so while, you know, I think a lot of it is about people, you know, 
the reality is that there's a lot of dining expertise just that ha- that that exists in a metro area. And so we've curated and cultivated a small subset of people that really reflect the diversity of expertise um, within a metro, whether these be food influencers, whether these be restaurateurs, whether these be chefs, about people who really, this is their day in and day out, their life is to know dining. Um, and so you have the ability to get, you know, you have the ability to kind of check out profiles and find other individuals who you may not know um, explicitly, but that, you know, you trust because, you know, you, know you, you trust their preferences and the things that they like. And so we take all of that information and we create basically a unique dining profile um, across 47, uh, sorry, 37 different characteristics that um, of, of restaurants. So things like whether it's kid friendly, whether it's lively, whether it has a great ambiance, whether um, it has uh, a great cocktail list. Um, and really understand by looking at your own preferences and those of, of you trust, like what are those things that are important to you? And so then when you right. go into deep um, and you do a search, we're not just looking if you do Italian restaurant in West Village, um, that's roughly, you know, $60 a person. We're looking at, okay, Italian restaurant, but we know that like, oh, you actually really care more about the wine list than the cocktail list, or you really care about the food rather than the ambiance. We are then automatically in the back end modulating things to map to your preferences specifically. And so that we really, instead of having the same list of five restaurants that we might recommend, is actually something that is specific to you. And then once you you know have those recommendations, you're then really easily able to see, again, those ratings or reviews from people you trust, um, as well as any and all other information that you think you might need. This is one of the things that we're also really trying to solve is that the process of finding a restaurant and booking a reservation. Right now, you need to go to like six different platforms. We encom- we're bringing all of that under one umbrella, where everything from discovery to information to photos to reservation links to menus is all basically based in that deets. So that again, you have these high quality personalized recommendations that you then can action on very very easily. Right, and I, and I think the problem with like something like a Google Maps or a Yelp right now is that. You know, it's it's a general platform, right. so they're trying to cater to everything, right? right? And and there's so many data points within the restaurants that that can lead to personalization, but they can access that, or they won't get around to it for a very long time yeah. because you know they have some other data points that they have to manage. Yeah, it's really funny you said that. So when Paul and I were first talking about this idea, like one of the things I was like thinking through is like the reality is that like a number of, of these large tech companies have so many of these things already kind of in their back pocket that they have a huge advantage over us starting as a brand new startup. But the reality is like all of these tech companies are littered with great ideas that someone should be executing on that like is just not important enough for them. Like, you know, Instagram, for, I think also would have been a really interesting person uh, platform to take this on because you already have, and this is something we're actually leveraging and tapping into, you already have this behavior where, again, eating out has become like a little bit of the something that people use as like a status symbol or to show off. And so you have these people who are very actively posting content on their stories and sometimes even on their posts of like places that they're going. But the reality is, is like, it's not organized. It's not usable in a many ways where it's like, I, I can't tell you the number of times I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, scrolling through my stories and it's like, oh, that place looks awesome. And I like try to mentally make a note of like, oh, I should go check that out and like bookmark it on Google Maps and like, find it on Resi. And the reality is that that just gets lost. Um, and so I do think that like, you know, by actually also being very focused, not only on like reinventing the wheel, 
but tapping into things that people are already doing. Um, we, we're trying to like take this stuff that exists on other platforms, take the things that are important and create, a, again, as you said, a dining specific experience that really gets it to what people are trying, need as they think about picking a restaurant. For sure. And I think, you know, one of the things that's already validated in the market to a smaller degree, but I think has really has this potential to really blow up is, is that tastemakers concept or following people who you believe have good yeah. taste. And we already see that, like whenever me and my friends go to a new place, we, if there's a Michelin star restaurant there, we, we are, we very likely go try it out just for the simple sake that it's on the Michelin right. list. Or if Gordon Ramsay's been to it or Auntie Bourdain, like we yeah. have these chefs who already have their stamp of approval of these restaurants and people will go to the restaurants simply for that reason. So to expand that concept out into a bigger scale, you know, some people might not necessarily understand. I do definitely think it, it, it can do that very successfully. Yeah. Because we always see some validation. There. Yeah. I mean, I think the reality is, and, you know, this is what I was like my day in and day out for the last three years, is if you look in fashion and beauty, I could see a very similar evolution happening where, you know, five years ago, you had your superstar mega influencers who, you know, started to really influence how people thought about their purchases in either the fashion or beauty categories. And then over time, you have what I call the democratization of creators, where it wasn't just, you know, the Kim Kardashians of the world, but it was, you know, the person down the street who was like, really into makeup and really had interesting, unique tips that were for kind of the everyday person that really took off over the last, let's say, three to four years. In food, you really, you're starting to see the beginnings of that, where uh, similarly, you have these people, some of which who have normal full-time jobs that like, you know, they work in tech, they work in advertising, they work wherever, um, but they're really passionate about food and they want to share that passion with others. Um, and that's one of the things that's been really heartening about our, our interactions and our conversations with creators is because, you know, creators are a core part of what we're doing, but creators are also seeing what we're doing as a core part of what they want to do. Um, where again, you know, on Instagram, you have the ability to you know share these great photos about a place. But on the other hand, when you get, you know, we were talking to someone who gets probably on average 150 DMs a week of like, what's your favorite restaurant in X neighborhood? Or what is your favorite cuisine, you know, restaurant in X cuisine? And because Instagram just doesn't allow you to very easily organize content to be actionable, they're really excited to, and, and we've spent a lot of time creating these very, in my mind, Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but very beautiful like <laughs> city guides that then creators will be able to ha have and easily use with, uh, sorry, share with their community that will make, again, the content that they're already creating much more actionable, thus creating an even deeper connection with the community that they already have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good starting point for like my follow up here is that, you know, people are really at the center for any crowdsource application and especially in an application like this. And I think one of the hardest parts about a platform like this that people don't really think about is not only having those people as users of the app, but as creators as well. Like you mentioned, they're content creators. And I mean, the whole reason why Instagram blew up so much is, is because right. of that. Because creators, you know, were empowered on the application. They were able to build businesses and brands all right on the app itself. So for, for Deets in particular, when you think about empowering users to create on the platform, what are your, what is your thought process behind that? So I'd say it's threefold. So one is working really closely with these creators who know how to create food content and really cultivating them to kind of start um, to overcome the cold start problem. Because no one wants to come to a platform 
and be, you know, everyone wants to be the first on something, but if you're the first on something and there's nothing there, then it kind of has no value. Um, and so we, we are in each of the cities that we're launching and we're doing it very much a city by city launch, um, strategy. We're working again, as I noted before, to cultivate a set of creators that then we work with closely to help kind of create this baseline understanding of restaurants and baseline, um, uh, content creation of, of restaurants in each city, just so that you have this starting point of, of good, rich content. The second thing that we're doing is really making it obvious to the, um, to the user um, that the more they give us, the better we can, we can make their recommendations and the content that, that they get back from us. Uh, the more that they give us, the more we can get back to them. Of like, you know, uh, the, the reality is, is the, the more information we have that like, oh, you know, on a Friday, you may want something that's lively, but on a Tuesday, you want something that's more romantic. The more we understand those patterns, the better our models will, will be over time and we'll be able to create even more um, refined and specific um, personalization for that person specifically. Um, and so the more that we can make that really front and center of like, oh, you know, if, if you provide X number of, of ratings and reviews, and quite honestly, this is something that we're still understanding how to best quantify, but the more we can help that person understand, you know, what is that, you know, what is the benefit for them to actually create the content, um, you know, the, the more that we, we can actually make their experience better. The third thing that we're doing, and this is something that I learned somewhat the hard way at Instagram, but, but I think like, you know, I, I think on, on, in retrospect, it's so obvious, is really making it as easy as possible. So that, you know, if you're creating something on Instagram, we're doing a lot of work to like help basically understand how we can automatically pull that in. Or if you have, cre if you've, if you've met, you know, if you've taken three photos um, with your mobile device um, at a restaurant, geotagging is now precise enough that we have a pretty good understanding that, oh, and our, you know, using kind of visual AI, we can say like, oh, these are, you know, looks like photo pictures at right. roughly, you know, this restaurant. It makes it then, you know, when you go into the app the next time, will prompt you of like, oh, looks like you went to, you know, looks like you went to Jumok uh, this week. Do you want to, uh, would you like to give a rating to help others, you know, be able to like enjoy the photos? You know, the, that's not exactly the right wording, but like something to that effect of like really easy of like very much A, when they're in the dining mindset, like they're in our app. And so they're obviously understanding the value of having an intelligent choice, but making it really easy that like within a couple clicks, they can give us that content that again, can not only make their own experience better, but the entire platform's experience much better. Um, I, I think the reality is, right. you know, I, I, I think actually, no, I, I feel a little sheepish. I'm not sure if we, if we noted that it's not like fully launched yet. So a lot of this will be like, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah. I, I think the idea is, is really how do we make sure, you know, everyone, as much as people probably don't like to admit this, everyone makes a decision on an ROI basis. So how do we make the return as high and obvious as possible? And how do we make the eye as little as possible? Um, and we're really kind of attacking it from both right. sides. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> and um, and yeah, I mean, of course, you'll have to model your strategy based on however the platform goes and, and whatever creators want. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think that was a really important point you mentioned there at the end, like the R, how do you maximize the ROI? And I think that's something that, right. you know, Instagram or TikTok or any of these other social media that popped up that have been successful have really done a great job of doing. And, and one of the reasons why competitors even now can't snatch away the market from them because they, 
I think they focus way right. too much on the technical details or on the capacities of the platform, but they forget about the creators and, the, and, and that's so central to everything in any of these social media platforms. Yeah, I mean, what, what we saw time and time and time again is in the end, the creators are, are not that loyal, right? They're going to go where they see that they're getting value. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as we think about developing the product, and this is, again, why we have a kind of a creator council, as we call it, on our side that we're constantly talking to and getting feedback from and really kind of um, touching base with to make sure that as we're building things that they that we're building things that actually not only theoretically bring value, but actually bring value to them. Because we really think with, you know, without, you know, without that value, we're going to lose people. And, and, and again, we we're in a stage where we need to make sure we're serving our, our most valuable customers as well as possible. And we really think creators are definitely a core part of right. that. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, talking about Deets now, so you guys are close to launch and, you know, after launch, of course, you get, you reach a growth phase and especially with an app like Deets, you know, acquiring users and, and, and moving, you know, is key in moving the business towards being profitable and enticing VCs to invest. So I was just wondering, I know it's early on, especially when you guys haven't launched yet, but, you know, when it comes to growth, what what is your thought process behind that, and and what are some key considerations that you would factor in? Yeah, and and maybe on some level, I want to say I'm naive. I think I I'm, I choose to call myself hopeful mm-hmm. that we want to create a product that is so magical and delightful that like people are eager to share it. And I think one of the things that is really useful and helpful in our scenario is that dining by nature is a social experience, right? Very rarely are you going out to eat by yourself. Very rarely. And, and we were talking just earlier that like, we all have that friend that, that we go to for recommendations and ratings. And so what we are really focused on is like, how do we really win that person, whether it be me or you, who is that organizer within a friend group and give them as much value as possible? Because they're going to be so happy to, instead of having to like, email back a Google sheet of, of, you know, random list of names. Oh, I can give you like this beautiful list of my top restaurants in New York. We think that like, if we create a, a great enough, a great enough of an experience in that, that that will just, you know, kind of very organically create growth. Right. That being said, we're also not naive enough to think that like, that's going to solve it on its own. And so we've actually very explicitly built in some organic levers into um, the product itself. So one is really putting a lot of effort and I have to like, I have to give a lot of credit to our, our designer on our designers on this of like creating this really beautiful shared experience, shared experience. So that like, Oh, I have my list of top restaurants in New York. Even if someone's not on deets, when I share that, we created like a beautiful experience in, in like a, a web UI so that like you still like get a flavor of what deets is and you get to understand like, Oh, all the great content, but it's not the full thing. So that hopefully you get like, enough of a taste that you want to go ahead and download the app. And so like, you know, really making sure that that sharing experience is a easy and B, you know, it works whether they're a user or not a user. And then the second thing, which um, I'm personally super excited about is this whole idea of, you know, often when you're going out to eat, it all falls on one person. We're like one person does the research, one person, you know, finds the reservation. And then if it's great, Often that person doesn't really get congrat like doesn't get appreciated. If it's bad, everyone hates that person. And so what, you know, again, back to this point of like dining is often inherently social. 
we've built in a way that like, okay, you do a search. Let's go back to this idea of like finding an Italian restaurant in the West Village. When you get that list of results, we've also made it really easy to share through our, what we're calling our polling feature. Um, again, with either people who are on dates or people who are not on dates to very easily get their input. Um, in many ways, I, 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 I kind of parallel it to somewhat similar to a doodle poll where it's like, here are the five things of these five, which are the ones that you'd like be good with. Um, and so that, that the right. decision making becomes much more communal so that you don't have just a reflection of one person's face, but it's actually the reflection of everyone. And again, this is like a cool experience that doesn't exist anywhere else in the market that is a really, we hope, and we've gotten some very early feedback on this is like, people will be like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to, I want to do this the next time I make. And so like, it's this way to very easily kind of give tendrils of our experience out to people so that they get hooked and then go and become, you know, a full, full blown user. Um, and then I, I think the reality is, is like also this, this idea of using really creative um, uh, kind of paid growth techniques. Um, you know, obviously I have a lot of, you know, background and exposure to, to kind of paid digital marketing, but also using our creators. Not only are they going to be great for creating content, but they have these great communities of users that they can tap into. Um, but I think reality is, is I'm going to be probably overly honest here is like, we haven't launched yet. So I, I like, we have, we kind of have like all these different irons in the fire and it'll be interesting to see which one actually works the best. Right. No, that makes sense. Like you should, you should diversify your strategy as well. And then, and then, you know, go all in once you, once you figure it out. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny, you were talking about that experience, you know, that one guy who has to arrange everything and like establish before that's me. Yeah. And when you started talking about being able to send this doodle poll like thing where you can, you know, say it like, Hey, do you guys want fancy or whatever? Like the group can sort of vote on it. That it made me smile because, you know, just thinking about it just it solves so many issues. I, I, I do like, you know, I spend maybe I can spend up to an hour sometimes just trying to find the right restaurant. Yep. And it is so frustrating. Yeah, so like just hearing about that is a magical experience. And I can imagine you know, on the application itself when, when you get to that, uh, definitely like people who are like me uh, can really appreciate it. And I'm sure you'll find some growth from there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we're hoping is like, you know, we we are creating what we hope is such a, a experience that again is just like delightful right. and magical um we did an exercise probably about three months ago now of like what are the things that we really want words as words associated with the brand one of the things that was kind of funny that i necessarily wouldn't i wouldn't have necessarily um have predicted was like magical was kind of like core to this because it's like it's like you know, because we're because of the machine learning and all the data and, and kind of all the things we're doing in the background, like it seems as if it's magic that the, you know some of these these kind of higher quality experiences might be created. Um, and again, we hope that that's going to be really a hook for people to like, you know, look at what they have been doing, look at what we can offer, and then be realize that like what we offer is just so much better. Right. Yeah. For sure. And I think um, yeah, I, I think like food is magic too. You know, when you have a proper restaurant, you get yeah, a proper exactly. meal. It's an unexplainable feeling. So just trying to tap into that feeling with the platform, I, I think there's so much yeah. there. So no, super, really super exciting stuff. Uh, I saw that you guys, you know, your initial launch is going to be starting off in Boston and New York City for now, which I think are two great markets for this. Um, especially like you mentioned, you know, I, I lived a couple months in New York and I don't think I've had better food in North America than I did those four months in New York. So um, I'm sure New Yorkers will really love this platform. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where, especially coming out of COVID, there are all these new restaurants open up, opening up. And like, again, I think something in the range of like 1,500 restaurants opened in 2022. I, I'm not going to go to all of them. And so how do I make that decision of, you know, where there's all this new, for me, very exciting activity. This is meant to really help kind of connect to those restaurants. And then also, again, we are very focused not only on the consumer, but, you know, in the dining industry, there are obviously a lot of stakeholders. One of the things that's also a core part of how we think about ourselves is really how do we help restaurants be successful? Right. Um, and so we really envision that this platform will, again, help restaurants find diners that are going to be good fits for them because everyone wants a good experience. No one wants this experience where you go somewhere, the restaurant doesn't like it, the diner doesn't like it, where like they have, you know, it's not what they wanted. Right. Um, and so like, again, we're really excited about bringing that again, not just to consumers, but also to restaurants. For sure. No, and I think there's going to be a lot of benefits to everybody in the in the ecosystem if this pans out. So thank you so much, Doug, for coming onto the podcast and talking about Deets and, and your journey. Before I let you go, I have two last questions. The first one is- Okay. All right, let's do it. Is there, is there a book that you recommend us reading or checking out? So I have like, I have like, so I, I so I, I, I don't know why am I stuttering so much with this? <laughs> so I have my like professional answer. So my professional answer is the cold start problem. Okay. So this, you know, for us, like, you know, it's really important that there is some initial level of activity or none of this will work, right? Like if you have no friends who have any content on the platform, you don't have anything you can go off of and then everything falls apart. Um, and so for me, that was a really great book of thinking about like, really hacky ways. And honestly, we are, we're um, employing some of them of like, honestly, using brute force of like, one of the things that we did, which is probably a little unusual, but you know, honestly, probably shouldn't be is like each person who works at Deets, we spent a day, and we just like logged every single restaurant we'd ever been to, just so that like, you know, there was like some level of photos and ratings and everything. And the reality is, is like, it did have this interesting kind of like, virtuous flywheel effect where like people see other people making content and so then they, they do it. And, but like these things that like, obviously you would not do this at scale where you would require every person who comes on to create a hundred pieces of content for us at the start, it really made a lot of sense. Um, and so I learned a lot out of that one for sure. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, especially like you mentioned there, that brute force method, uh, it doesn't work at scale, but when you're starting off, that's a lot of the time, that's the only resource you have or one of the biggest resources you have. So I think a lot yeah. of people shy away from it. But sometimes your practices just have to be to, at the present moment and not for the future. Um, and I mean, I, yeah, do I mean, one, one other, yeah, yes, sir, yeah. One other thing is, is that I wish I almost could get this weekend back, but again, was like the most important thing we probably did is so we've built our own models to be able to like look at information online and discern from a rating, or sorry, from a review of like, you know, it might be six or eight lines of text. What is that text saying on like a scale of zero to one about something like nightlife? And so to be able to do that, we had to create seed information to put into the model. And so I had to manually tag, like I read like 6,000 re restaurant reviews one, one weekend and just like very manually tag each of the different attributes. For again, it was like the worst weekend of my life, but you know, there was no other way to do it. And that like, I think that investment up front will really help us, you know, I think throughout the rest of kind of our existence. 
for sure. And what I'm hearing is that if I'm ever in New York, I, I the restaurant list is coming from you. You have all the you have all yeah. the information. I mean, that's what we're. Yeah, I mean, this is why I'm here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. But last question I have, and I know you sort of touched on this with the launch, but what are the next steps for you and Deets? What can we look forward to? Yeah, so we are doing our official launch in Boston next week. So we've been like functionally available somewhat in Boston now for about a couple months. Um, but we, you know, we've been doing a lot of be like beta testing and learning. And so we're doing like a official launch on um, that first week of February. So um, definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, and then doing a fast follow in New York. And then from, from there, um, so core to deep working is having a really deep understanding of the restaurant scene um, and the restaurants. And so we're doing it metro by metro just to make sure that, again, we have that deep understanding. Um, and so we're looking to um, have, hopefully by the end of Q1, kind of the top 10 metro areas in the U.S., hopefully by the end of Q2, the top 50 metro areas, and then kind of as we think about the rest of the year being nationwide. Um, the other thing I will give as a little bit of a, of a preview of what the future of Deets may hold is that the things that we're building for restaurants um, and we talked about this a little bit at the the, the, um, the start of this conversation, we also think is going to be really relevant and very useful for adjacent verticals. So whether it be travel, whether it be events. Um, and so we're now in the process on the back end and, and just on kind of on the product level, starting to think about what that might look like. Um, and so we're expecting, again, probably around Q3 to, to add some of those adjacent verticals so that, you know, not only... If it's, you know, it's, if it's, you're figuring out your weekend plans, it's not only where you're going to eat, but if you're traveling, it's the hotel that you're staying at or, or the event you may want to go to. Um, so we're super excited again about being that kind of one stop shop for any experience that you might, might want to have. For sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully I can make a trip out to New York and, and give it a go or, you know, soon enough, I hope I'll come to San Francisco and then I can give it a go. Locally. Very, very, very soon. Give, give me a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I did a lot of people here who'd really appreciate that app. So looking forward to it. And yeah, um, sure. and yeah, thank you so much once again, Doug, for coming on the podcast. Looking forward to seeing you. Thanks for having me. Take care. All everyone. right. Thanks so much.